Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to more than a few words in marketing conversation for small business owners. And PSW is a production of Roundtag where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, if you'd like to join the conversation on Twitter, be sure to use the hashtag pound MTSW. You can also call in with your questions or comments at 805-285-9865. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine Ball, and I am excited to have Brian Deo here as a guest this morning. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Um, also on uh, keyboard this morning, uh, Allison is manning the Twitter stream. Good morning, everyone. Sorry, it won't be Peter's normal snark, but you'll have to deal with me. <laughs> We're going to be talking. Uh, we're going to be talking about technology. Um, this is kind of a nice pickup on kind of where we were last week with Brandon. Let's start, Brian, for the folks that don't know you. What should they know about you? Well, as it relates to technology, I um, I graduated from school in 2008, and uh, my first exposure to the startup world and, and to technology really full time was uh, my first job at ChaCha. So I worked at ChaCha for. Two years, for those of you who don't know what ChaCha is, it's a mobile um, search company. That at the time that I was there, you could text any question to uh, their short code, and a real person would answer the question and, and respond. Um, so I really got thrown in headfirst in the startup world. It's really kind of a classic, um, I suppose, West Coast style startup with funding, uh, VC funding, and um, and a substantial backing from a pretty prominent um, inventor and entrepreneur in the area. Um, then I moved from ChaCha into a more traditional role at a, at a company where I was um, doing marketing. So I was an analyst at ChaCha and switched into a marketing role. And that sort of led me, those things kind of combined um, with an idea that I previously had to start my own company. Um, that company was called Last Fight. Um, so I've been working on Last Fight for the past 10 months or so. Um, Last Fight's a, a mobile location-based service that um, is, we're really trying to become the Pandora for uh, food selection when you go out to eat. So instead of um, rating the restaurant in general at a, uh, when you got the, we're rating the, the item itself. So um, menu, not venue, I uh, really jumped down in granularity because we think ultimately your dining decision is, um, is composed of significantly more than just a five-star rating about the place. Um, so one of the things I kind of want to jump in um, where um, we first crossed paths was at a startup weekend yep, yep. where sort of the predecessor to um, yeah. Fast Five was kind of formed. Yep. And um, that was an interesting weekend because you pitched two ideas. I did, yeah, yeah. So my core idea, leaving leaving Chacha that weekend, that was actually right after I left Chacha. Um, the core idea was the restaurant idea, and um, I decided at the very end of the pitch session to uh, pitch an idea about uh, Twitter analytics, and I think that was sort of the uh, the more sexy of the two ideas at the time. That was a, sort of a, a buzz word, and I think everyone sort of understood what the concept was. So that that idea got jumped on pretty quickly. Ended up winning the con. The competition that weekend um, going on, I think, to get some some funding offerings, um, and then end up sort of fizzling after that. But um, yeah, I suppose the lesson there is keep keep good ideas in your back pocket if you're, <laughs> if you're trying to win a competition. <laughs> well, but the the other thing, I mean, beyond keeping good ideas in your back pocket, but the other thing that was interesting is, like you said, Stat Squared, which was the other idea yep. that evolved, um, was a great flash in the pan. Yeah. It it made a lot of splash. It got a lot of interest. But it didn't have the momentum and the sticking yeah. power that perhaps a little bit yeah. less sexy last fight does. Yeah, I, I think actually, so it's interesting you bring it up. I think the reason for that is is sort of sort of obvious when you think about it. Um, any any entrepreneurial venture is driven by 
the founder initially, right? And and by the person has the idea and is driven to execute on that idea because they're passionate about it. And so when you immediately disconnect the founder from that idea, you lose a lot about it. I think in the case of Stat Squared, um, you know, they only heard a one-minute pitch from me about the idea. And what I was thinking was much more robust than probably where they ended up taking it. And um, that's not a fault of theirs. It's just the natural occurrence when you strip a founder and the original idea out of out of a business. So I think there's kind of a general sort of principle there, which is that the, the founder is is pretty important in that initial idea, and at least um, at least in fleshing it out to the extent that that it, it can be a, a viable business. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that was. I mean, that was cool. But um, but let's talk kind of ups and downs of startup lessons yeah. learned um, as people go through this process. I mean, we've got a pretty vibrant. Startup community and growing. Yep. And growing. Yep, absolutely. So, big mistakes and big places that people should start. Yeah, um, I think everyone will say that the first mistake, and this, um, the guys at um, I'm blanking, Bloomington Startup Incubator, uh, Stop Stop um, was just saying at an event here in Indy that the, the most important mistake is sometimes the first mistake that that entrepreneurs make, and that is picking co-founders and, and just making sure that you're aligned with the people that you're working with. And I'm not I, I'm not saying that that was our mistake necessarily, so I've since moved on from last night and now working uh, at another company here in, in Indy. Um, but I think I think the, the biggest mistake is setting expectations early on and making sure everyone understands um, the implication of what it means to be in a startup. Um, it, it's not a nine to five job. It, it, it requires things of you that you have never been required, that never been required previously in, in other business ventures or in other um, roles when you were an employee. Um, and that was, even I was surprised by that. Even after being in a startup, I was a little surprised by that. Just in terms of, um, you know, there's a period there where you eat, eat breathe, and think it. Yeah. Um, you know, your phone rings at odd hours of the day and night, and you answer yeah. it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to jump off real quick here. If you are calling in and you have a question, be sure to push the one button on your keypad so I know that you have a question for us. Um, remember that you can participate in the chat room or send comments and questions uh, to Brian through uh, Twitter. Make sure you use the hashtag MTSW. Um, but okay, let's go back to um, this whole idea of um, other things that you didn't know, uh, how much time it would take, yeah. what else surprised you as you went through that? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I had a, a really good sense for it being at ChaCha, I think, and I, not everyone has that, but even, I think even I was surprised. Even though I spent long hours, late nights working on stuff at ChaCha and really doing the startup thing, right? As a founder, like, you don't, you don't even know the the breadth and depth of things that can possibly be prioritized, right? So as an employee of a, in a startup, you, you like you know what's best for your section of business. You, employees always know what's best, right? They always assume that they know exactly what's best, right? And 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 most of the time that that can be surprisingly true, right? But the problem is that's only within one section of the business. And when you step out and you have to like be responsible for all of that, you can't even fathom all the different things that you have to be responsible for. So there's a there's a burden there that you just don't expect. I and think it, it weighs on you. Big yeah, time. I, I think the thing that surprised me as I um as as I started this was how little time I actually spend, and and even worse now, how little time I spend 
doing what I went into business for. I, yeah. You know, how little yeah. time I spend on marketing and yeah. how much I spend on bookkeeping. Legal work. Legal yeah. work. That's yeah. this morning's activity. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, HR issues. Yeah. You know, talking to insurance vendors and um, uh, real estate. Yeah, yeah. Or even, you know, like I was an analyst at Chacha, and typically the things that I was tasked were were things that had already been decided upon, right? So analyze this product that we've launched. But when you're when you're a founder, you're making the decision of what to do. Um, so it's just it, it's just there's a whole world of things you never even thought of. And even if you prepare yourself really well and you're reading lots of, of books and, and stories about startups, you're still it still sort of takes you by surprise because you're you're laying up the tree and thinking about things you never would imagine you'd be thinking about. Okay. So um other mistakes, other things business owners should be thinking about. Um, it's hard work. I think um, I think our I think I the thing that I'm, I probably take away from that I may maybe disappointed in myself at is that I um, I probably could have worked substantially harder. Right? I mean, I probably could have forced myself to to sleep a little less. <laughs> Spend a little less time in leisure and and really focus. And I think there's kind of two things to that, right? There's there's just working hard, lots of hours, lots of hard work, and then there's focusing. I wrote a, a, a kind of a summary of my thoughts after leaving the startup a couple weeks ago, and I just was thinking that someone gave me advice: if you can focus on something for 45 minutes at a time, only one thing, break, rest for 15 minutes, and focus on 45 minutes again. Um, it was David Durant, I think, who mm-hmm. suggested that. Um, that that's revolutionary, and as a startup founder, you almost have to focus yourself like that, um, and that's hard. It's really hard. I had a hard time with that. Well, I you know I think one of the things that makes and, and I, I I talk to a lot of startups, and I talk to a lot of people that are in various stages in startups, and one of the things many of them have in common is a little bit of ADD. Yeah. I mean, a little <laughs> bit of of what gives them the edge is this constant, oh, that's new, oh, that's new, oh, that's new. Blessing and a curse, right? It it is. It is. I've often, um, because I've suffered from it big time, and I've often wondered if medication would have made it better or worse. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So I studied for AD in college, right? So I'm like, I'm not like a straight A student. I was constantly bouncing from one thing to another. And I, you know, I struggle with this personally. I think everybody talks about, thinks about this personally. I think, um, my personal conclusion is I would never want to not be the way I am because I, I see the advantages that, that brings to the table, and I also know it's, it's just a weakness mm-hmm. that I have to recognize. And so if I'm ever building a successful startup, I, I'm, I, I know ahead of time that I'm probably going to have to bring a CEO in to replace me very soon, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm going to get to the point where the whole vision, visioning and, and coming up with the plan and, and chasing shiny objects is going to become a distraction, and it's not going to help you find success in the business. I'm going to need to step out and, and let someone else you know, pursue the operations in a way that I can't. And I, I think that, um, I heard, I think it was Yah Awning, I heard him mm-hmm. talk, uh, we, we brought him in to talk to some high school kids, and he talked about the fact that there are, there are founders and there are CEOs. And yeah. it is rare, yeah. it's really rare that somebody can be yeah. both. Yeah. Because, it, um, you know, when I was at, um, so I was just way back at Lennox, we had a guy, and he was never going to be really high up in the organization. They eventually made him just director of innovation because he was just yeah. 
always out there. Yeah. Um, but as soon as he got an idea that was even remotely yeah. half baked, he had to throw it over the wall yeah. at someone else to execute. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's. I think that's pretty common. I, think that's, I mean, it's rare when you find someone like Larry Larry Page or Sergey Brin at Google where they they innovate the product and then stick with it. And, and they even Google's a great example, right? So they stepped out mm-hmm. for a long time and had um, I'm blanking on his name <laughs> had a CEO come in mm-hmm. and and cover for them while they kind of developed themselves and prepared themselves to actually run a company and not just be college kids out of uh, I think Stanford. Stanford, right? yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I think we have going for us in this community that's kind of a nice transition to some of the stuff you're doing now are organizations like Developer yeah. Town, like Sprout Bucks, where yeah. innovative entrepreneurs can go. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what's going on at Developer Town because yeah. that's where you yeah. kind of migrate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at Developer Town, um, and my relationship with Developer Town actually goes back uh, to right after Startup Weekend. That, you know, a lot of people coming on Startup Weekend end up meeting with Developer Town. Um, so a little bit of background on Developer Town. Um, Developer Town is, is they call we call ourselves a um, a venture development firm. It's funny I say they because I know of Developer Town in a former life and now I'm working for them, so it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, so we call ourselves a venture development firm, which means uh, instead of investing uh, capital, the straight money in a company like a venture capital firm, we invest uh, development efforts. So if you're a if you're a founder of a company and you don't have any technical ability. Um, you can come in and, and we will take a look at, at, at your idea and, and flush out the design of the idea. And then um, if it's something that's compelling and, and your pitch is compelling and the business case is compelling, then we can potentially invest uh, in your company, take an equity stake in your company, um, and, and build your product for you right, in some combination of cash or uh, and development for that. So instead of money, we, we develop your product. So technical co-founder, essentially. Yeah. Systematized technical co-founder. And, and there's a lot of advantages that come with that. Yeah, and um, for those of you that have not been down to Developer Town, it's in Broad Ripple. It's really yeah. a cool space. I mean, yeah. it, it, Allison is rolling her eyes because she thinks the um, the little houses are odd, and, and they are, but <laughs> I, I, I kind of like this space. Yeah, yeah, it is it is odd. So if you don't know about it, it, it it's literally a Developer Town. It's a big warehouse with um, a bunch of little houses in it. And each, each person who works there, each, each partner gets a... Uh, a six by nine like shed, but it's, it's designed like a house with a normal door, windows, skylight, and the interior design however you want. It. Yeah, so it, it's uh, it, it's a it's a cool space. I want to switch gears for a second. We have a couple questions from the uh, chat room. Um, uh, Aaron Anderson, who's actually been a guest here. Um, good morning, Aaron. Thanks for for jumping on. Um, what is some advice on how do you balance um, um, when you're a startup? Um, how do you uh, kind of how do you decide what to say no to and how to say yes to? Because um, especially as you're starting, all the yeah. ideas you know, I mean, there's lots of directions you can go to make money yeah. or generate. What do you think? Yeah, and, and and her question seems to be directed towards making money, but I think I think there's a broader question of what do you say yes no to. So we weren't the, we weren't to a point where we were revenue generating with last bite. So initially, it's all product discussion questions and um, general like lean startup principles here are great. So um, so finding out what your consumer wants first is letting people who will actually use your product direct what you build as a product. And that's something that initially you have to kind of walk a line there, right? Because you have the initial vision for the product, right? And and you have to you have to come up with the idea that you think people are going to like. But then once you get it in the hands of users, you do you really need to let them direct um, the thinking. And 
Um, so I, I guess as much as possible, let those decisions be made for you. I guess that would be it. Cool. Okay, we have, it looks like we have a question. Um, and we've got about three minutes left on this part of the show. Good morning, you're on the air. Hello, Lorraine, this is Mohammed. Oh, great, good morning, Mohammed. I'm so glad you're gonna join us. And um, we are going to be chatting with you in just a minute on tools and technology, which um, so we're excited about that portion of the program. Um, we're going to finish up just a little bit more on startups. Absolutely. Talk to you. Okay, so um, as we uh, we're kind of staying on this pattern of um, uh, kind of letting your customers make the decisions, though, I think, I mean, in terms of some of the product features, I think that's really cool. But I also think, as a business owner, sometimes you have to look at an opportunity and go, this is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's absolutely true, right? So not only, I mean, consumers, um, so this, this is a, a great example of this is like an Apple laptop versus a, a PC laptop. And, I, and I, for the record, I'm not an Apple fanboy. I'm using an HP computer. I love it. But if you go to HP's website, um, they offer every single feature that a consumer can ever possibly want, ever imaginable, right? So you can select anything imaginable. Uh, when you go to an Apple website, they select, you have the option to pick from a set of features that Apple thinks combine to create a great device. That's a significant difference, right? And um, Apple never say, says no, right? <laughs> or excuse me, HP never says no to a customer, right? They build everything imaginable, pay to every niche, Imaginable, but as a consumer, when you go there, you're totally confused if you don't want all of those ancillary features. Mm -hmm. Apple focuses on building the best combination of features and packaging them in a way that that is a compelling feature. That I think that's a better approach, right, for initial product. You know, it's, it's interesting. Also, um, there's some research that's being done um, that really says that you know people are kind of like overwhelmed by choices, yeah. and when they're given too many decisions and too many choices. Um, it, they actually get paralyzed. Yep, yep. And um, they pick less. They actually perform less actions by yeah. doing too many choices. Yep. So I think, you know, if you've gone through the buying process, I have a lot of Dell computers. It's actually, um, they try to narrow you down very quickly to a product. And then they start asking you questions, but they don't show you all the questions yep. they're going to ask you. Yep, yep. So it's sequential one at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So they try to alleviate that process, but it's the, it's, in my mind, it still, you know, burdens them, right? Yeah. So simplicity, I mean, there's just a general principle there of simplicity. And these are general, these are generalities, right? There's never, every business is going to require its own, its own thinking. Cool. Okay. Um, closing thoughts. Um, if somebody was going to start a, um, a business. <laughs> um, be serious about it. Uh, go for it wholeheartedly. Um, recognize that you're going to chunk, you're going to section off a portion of your life, and you're going to become an entrepreneur, and that's pretty much all you're going to do. Um, and then I would say, and this is, everyone says this, but find, absolutely pick the best people you can find. If they're better than you, then pick them and get them, convince them to come on board. Um, it really is true that the people uh, in a startup you know, make the product successful, or make the, the company successful. I, I, I think that's, um, uh, I think that's true in companies of any size. Her Gallagher yeah. at Southwest always used to say, hire for attitude, train for skill. And even at the pilot level, yeah. that was something he was passionate yeah. about. Yeah. Personally, I want a skilled pilot. Yeah, right. right. <laughs>
Yeah. Okay, well, we are going to switch gears a little bit. Um, uh, Mohamed Yassin is our guest uh, for the second half of the call. And Brian, I'm so glad you're here because you can participate and hang out with us and maybe pipe in. But we're going to talk a little bit about um, new tools and technology. And I think, Mohammed, if this goes well, you agree to maybe come back and visit once a month? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, that would be awesome. I know it's going to go well because it's always fun to visit with you. But why don't you kick us off? Tell us um, what's your new favorite tool this week? What should we be uh, looking at? All right, absolutely. So one big thing that's been uh, getting a lot of buzz online, especially in the marketing community recently, has been Pinterest. Um, and it's still in beta. So one of the big challenges with that is how do you really measure how well you're doing with Pinterest from a business perspective? Um, one of the tools I've been looking at for the past couple of months here has been Pinterly. It's a P-I-N-E-R period L-Y is the uh, domain name. And basically what it allows you to do is track metrics on Pinterest. So you get to, when you share a piece of content, measure the reach of that content, so how many people it um, shows up to, the number of repins or reshares on that piece of content, the number of likes on that content. And the big piece that's most important to me that I'm most excited about is the number of clicks on that piece of content as well. Um, so, so the way Pinterest, go ahead. Okay, so so with Pinterly, I can if if I share particularly whether it's uh, an infographic like what you do or a uh, an image to a blog post, I can see from the Pinterest side how many people clicked and went through to the website. Exactly, exactly. It's all on one nice, very clean, very fancy dashboard. Um, and I, and I, I absolutely love it. One big thing I was looking at uh, was the number of repins and the reach. Um, cause there's, there's two metrics that I probably look at most when I'm looking at PR. One is just pure brand awareness. So that's where the reach comes in. How many people saw your brand or your piece of content online? The second most important thing, or probably the most important, is the number of clicks or referral traffic to our website. So it may be a blog post we've shared. Um, or for my own personal you know, accounts, it might just be you know, the humor Tumblr blog that I run and just kind of seeing how much traffic I'm generating from Pinterest to you know, that, that, that Tumblr blog without having to go back and forth between Google Analytics and setting up custom tracking codes and doing a lot of the uh, runaround that happens if you're trying to actually track things directly through a Pinterest post. Okay, so let me ask the other side of it because you know, you're starting to use these measurement tools um, what kind of traffic are you know our businesses seeing? I mean, what's what's a good click-through rate for for an image on Pinterest? I'll be honest. I think that you know answers like that are it's a little bit early for anyone to really tell. Um, one thing I've been noticing is that different um, kind of market segments are getting different kind of click-through rates. So if you are, let's say, you're a humor columnist you've got lots of really funny stuff to share, you're probably going to get some really great engagement, not only from repins, um, but also from click-throughs. Um, if you are selling a product that photographs really well, so clothes, jewelry, um, even cars or some sort of automotive thing, those tend to share really, really well. Um, infographics are doing okay from what I can tell. Uh, they are getting more 
I, I say click-throughs, though, than repins when I look at them. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because they tend to be so long that you can't really read them in full on Pinterest. You have to click it to try to blow it up, which means you're going to go visit the website. So the question is, Muhammad, as a marketer, which would you rather have? Would you rather have that repin? Would you rather have that click? Ooh, that's a, that's a <laughs> difficult one. Um, for, so for us, since we, we're selling a product that is online, and we're probably also one of the most, more challenging ones to really be marketing on Pinterest, um, because we sell travel insurance. You know, we're selling insurance to people that are, are traveling abroad. Um, insurance is not really the most sexy of products. <laughs> and it's not like you have a pretty product to take a picture of. Um, one thing we do have, though, is the ability to share travel photos, which are very closely related to the product that we sell. For me, I want click-throughs. I want people to actually click through on that picture, come to the site, read whatever, whatever blog post we have about that destination, and then hopefully, you know, they, they will click around a little bit more on the site and, and take a look at our products. Cool. Brian, you had a point. Yeah, well, I just, I think, I think that's, a, that's one of the things where it's, a, it's an answer that every business is going to have to figure out for themselves, right? And, and other platforms are facing similar challenges, right? So if I'm on... If I'm on Google Plus or Twitter, am I trying to drive traffic to to uh, my site and, and actually convert, or am I trying to create a community that that is a branding effort, right? I mean, is it a is it a transactional right. marketing form, or is it uh, format, or is it a is it a branding marketing format? I think Pinterest and Google Plus begin to walk the line of both of those, right? Where you can actually actually convert if you're effective, but you can also build a community on the platform itself. See, absolutely. I think absolutely. And I think one of the great things also about the, the community building, which is another metric that uh, clearly tracks is kind of your, your uh, follower growth. One thing I love about Pinterest from the community side is unlike Facebook, where if you post something to your followers, I mean, you have, what, a 3-6% chance it's actually going to get through the edge rank algorithm and actually show up in their news feed. Um, on Pinterest, it's a little bit different. You do have algorithms to worry about with the categories, but for the followers, it's basically a live stream. You have a, a much higher possibility of being seen um, when you share a piece of content. And I think also the um, the cool thing, in a way, I think Pinterest works a little bit like the way um, Dig used to, where when um, when I repin your image, um, if Allison is following both of us, now the image appears in her stream twice. And so the more often um, an image is repinned, the more often it keeps, it, it, it keeps coming back to the top. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, uh, Absolutely. And, and, and that's different than um, an active post on Facebook where the conversation it becomes kind of closed loop yeah. to the people who are in it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's a really good point. I don't want to detract, distract from Pinterest, but Google Plus did that same thing, right? So they forced that really aggressively. Doug Hart, or, um, uh, Doug Carr and I have been talking about this, but the, the, um, if, if you get a plus one or a reshare, it, it's really aggressive in the way it moves that post back to the top because they want to try to create right. a conversation. And, and I think Pinterest has done a similar thing. Right? It's actually a new tactic for startups to, to keep in mind. Right? So really aggressively incentivize interaction. And you get that kind of – so that, that's kind of a product decision that they're making. I think that's happening in both Pinterest and Google Plus in their sorting algorithms. Absolutely. Another thing you know, with, with Pinterest, when you compare it to you know Google Plus or Facebook, et cetera, 
that again, looking at is kind of the life of that piece of content. You know, on Facebook, you're really looking at probably you know a few days max before people stop really engaging with that piece of content. Yep. It just it disappears. Yep. Um, you know, with Pinterest, it's a little bit different because you know we'll see you know the first day you share it, you get you know some repins on it, um, get some nice click through traffic. And then the next day or, or, or a month later, someone else may happen to stumble upon it and reshare it, which is very easy to do there because there's, uh, you know, uh, if you compare the two, the volume of content on Pinterest is much lower yeah. than, a, you know, a, a Facebook. <laughs> the likelihood of, of falling against it is, is, is much better. So that repin happens, and all of a sudden you see the same pattern all over again. All of a sudden everyone else is repinning it from that person yeah. pinning it. Um, okay. it, 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 it you, know, you get a much longer life cycle on that piece of content. Awesome. Okay. Um, as much as I hate to say this, we are almost out of time. Mohammed, thank you so much for um, for calling in this morning. This was uh, an interesting uh, side to the conversation. No problem. Thanks for having me. And if people want to find you on Twitter, they should look for. All right. If you're going to find me on Twitter, um, you can look for me personally at uh, Mohammed Inc. That's M U H A M M A D I N C. Um, and also you can follow um, our company Twitter account at HCCMIS. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, Brian, thank you again for yeah, joining no us. no problem. We'll look for you at Developer Town, and you can find Brian at... Brian Dale on Twitter. On Twitter. Awesome. Um, Allison, thanks again. She's out. Um, if you've enjoyed today's program, if you'd like to um, pick up more information on marketing, networking, social media, and small business, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. And you can now subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. So check out any of the MTFW pages on Roundpeg, and you will see this has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.